Hi everyone, uh, welcome to ELI, the place where you get your daily dose of inspiration for entrepreneurship. And today we have with us uh, Mr. Abhinav Pathak, uh, co-founder and CEO at uh, Percule. Uh, Abhinav is a graduate of uh, NIT Karnataka and has worked for uh, Goldman Sachs before starting his own venture in 2016. Abhinav was also featured on uh, Forbes uh, 30 under 30 list in 2018. Uh, hi Abhinav, uh, welcome to ELI. Thanks, Priya. Thanks a lot for having me over. Hello, everyone. Glad to be uh, a part of this uh, show. Uh, Avinav, uh, I'd request you to introduce yourself to our audience, please. Sure. Thanks. Thanks, Priya. Uh, so I basically graduated from NID Suratkal in 2015. I've been born, brought up in Lucknow, lived in, lived in Delhi for a good amount of uh, my life as well. And post-college, we've been in Bangalore for almost six years now, uh, thoroughly loving the city and the place. Uh, I was with Goldman Sachs for... Uh, almost one and a half years. I mean, that's how I started my career in uh, software engineering and then grew to some other roles and responsibility, partially in the US and partially in uh, 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 Bangalore. So after that, I think post a very small stint of around 15 months with Goldman, I quit my job to uh, really uh, follow my passion, which is purely entrepreneurship. And uh, after quitting, I think I got a few other co-founders to more along with me and we together uh, started Percule. I am still uh, with Perfule, running it actively for the last four years. Okay. Uh, tell us about Perfule. Uh, would like to know what is it about? Sure. So uh, Perfule basically started with a single point vision. How can uh, offline stores become smarter? How can they become better in, in their current uh, businesses? And how can they really leverage the power and scale of technology? So this is, you can say somewhere around 2016, uh, early 2016. And at that point, uh, Flipkart, Amazon were really scaling at some unprecedented pace. And there was a debate out there in the market that would offline even exist or would they die down to the massive growth uh, rate that all e-commerce players like Flipkart, Amazon, etc. of the world are really scaling at. So since then and till even today, uh, we believe that look, offline guys would exist. They can't be uh, displaced so easily. The kind of volumes they do, the kind of momentum they have, the kind of customers they service, right? Like this is crazy. That can't vanish. Uh, overnight, they definitely are a, at a disadvantage because they are not able to leverage and scale their businesses because uh, they are not technology enabled businesses. They are purely uh, a regular businesses and technology is a very small enabler for them. So I think that's where we saw the opportunity that the offline guys would uh, really want to appreciate technology because of multiple reasons. One, it reduces their cost. Second, it massively allows them to scale the businesses across different geographies. And third is massively improves the efficiency. So I think these three factors are very critical for any retailer because retail, again, is a very wafer thin, low margin business. So any opportunity to kind of uh, capitalize on that is something very interesting. So that was the uh, premise with which we really started. And again, uh, the three founders, right, none of us are from a retail background, weren't even avid uh, shoppers. So we didn't really know how retail as a sector, as a business really works, but we were thoroughly fascinated by it because it's definitely one of the largest sectors to uh, kind of deep dive into. It basically contributes 11% to the GDP of India, employs 9.9% of workforce of India. So it's a very, very large uh, market. Inherently, my personal ambition always was to build a, a large business. Hence, a large market is kind of uh, very, very critical to start with. So I think when all of this was kind of adding up, we understood that, look, uh, retail is a pretty interesting space. How do we kind of enter, uh, work with the leading retailers, learn more about their businesses, and in return, build technology solutions that can help them uh, make their businesses better. So we started with a very simple uh, self-checkout solution, which basically ensures that people don't have to stand in checkout lines. 
they can use their mobile phone to go to a store, pick up any item from the shelf, uh, pay for it in the mobile app itself, get a digital invoice and straight away go to the store. They don't need to go to a, a billing counter, stand in lines and things like that. We kind of build that whole product prototype, uh, roll it out with the leading retailers in India, like so Fiber City, Big Bazaars, Par, More, uh, Shopper Stop, etc. Kind of ran that for the first, you can say, 12 months in the in the company. Understood that there are certain challenges, particularly to the geography of India. Got a great amount of learnings, like I said. I think retail was a very new market for all of us. We didn't know anything about it. But in the 12 months, working very closely with the retail CXOs, we learned a lot. And in fact, being on the ground, we really understood the pulse of the Indian customer, which who or who basically goes to the retail store, what is really on top of their mind, and how can we enhance the experience better. Post 12 months, we really pivoted into uh, a very different model, which is what we do even today. We kind of pivoted from a self-checkout, uh, uh, you can say customer enhancement technology solution to a B2B uh, SaaS play, where we understood that the retailers have been using legacy technology solutions for their retail stores for the last 15, 20 years. It's time that they kind of upgrade that, take their billing systems to the cloud, because billing system and the inventory management system of a retail store is the most critical piece of technology they have in the store. So kind of taking this on the cloud, democratizing it, integrating it with all the new marketplaces, driving more business, there are a bunch of things which they are absolutely not able to do today, despite a lot of efforts. So that's where we really saw a very good product market fit. We understood that, look, it's high time, uh, the technology infrastructure of the billing system, inventory management system, et cetera, of the store gets upgraded. That's what we kind of built, launched it with the same bunch of customers with whom we were doing uh, self-checkouts earlier. And this was probably, you can say, made of early of 2018. Since then, we have been working on that uh, billing product, which is called UltraPost, and we have been scaling it in India. Uh, early, you can say 2020, uh, December 2019, January 2020, we started scaling in the outside India markets as well, like Southeast Asia and Middle East. So the focus now is to expand uh, globally and take this product uh, uh, to a much larger base. Uh, Abhinav, I, 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 would, uh, I would be very interested to hear about your learnings in first 12 months. Uh, since you said uh, you have... Uh, learned uh, about Indian in Indian customers uh, and the way they retail. Uh, uh, what are your learnings and why you pivoted? Uh, what were the challenges? I would, would be very interested to know. Sure, absolutely. And I think that's the most interesting piece of life that when you really fail at doing something, you actually learn a lot more than when you really succeed. So I think those first 12 months of learnings are very, very critical, uh, not just to me, but to the entire uh, company purpose. So I think the, we learned a lot, definitely. I mean, a, a lot when I say uh, really a lot, but I think a few things on top of my mind right now would be one that when you're really scaling a customer uh, centric business, how important retention really is, right? Like for a grocery scenario, uh, a retail store, uh, a customer goes to retail store at least twice to thrice a month. So if those type of retention rates are not really visible on your technology product adoption, you are definitely doing something wrong, was the first key learning. Uh, then second would be around that India is a very tough market. Like adoption, although the product is good, it drives, you can say, it, it saves them time. But Indians aren't really people inherently who value uh, such, you can say, uh, a thing. They would rather uh, not do it because there was a check cashback at the checkout counter. So you kind of really need to understand the psyche of the customer, what goes in their mind and only having a very small limited value proposition would not uh, attract them, specifically if it's about efficiency. Indian customers don't really uh, uh, like efficiency much. They really like value added uh, benefits to be linked with the product. So that was the other learning. Second was uh, retail is highly unorganized. I mean, uh, from the outside, it appears beautiful that like a company like a Reliance Retail or a Future Group, they do like 30,000 crore of business across 2,000 stores. 
but I mean, what really happens behind uh, those stores and how unorganized they are, how many assumptions they make finally uh, to add up the, uh, the things on their assets and liabilities, which finally reflect in the balance sheet is just crazy. So I think a lot of uh, enhancement is needed to help retailers digitize their business first and then uh, really think about the customer. That was the prima facing biggest uh, learning we got that because customers are not really able to adopt and enjoy technology because retailers are not tech savvy for, uh, still, right? Like retailers are the ones who own the experience uh, in a retail store. So they have to digitize their experience first, get rid of the manual process, which has a massive amount of errors and inefficiencies. Unless that gets upgraded to a fully digital stack with a very, very high efficiency, there is no point pushing technology to the customer because the adoption won't happen. The experience finally rests on the, on, on the digitization and the overall, you can say, control of the retailer. This was the pivotal and the most critical learning. Beyond that, I would say one final learning was around uh, that. I mean, if you're really thinking to attract the customer, you have to think of the experience in a very different way. And you have to map out the complete journey, how the customer is going to really use your product. And you have to really iron out every single glitch because in the whole journey, say if the customer is going to use your product for say 40 minutes while he or she is in the retail store, any five seconds interval also where his or her experience is not great is good enough for him to drop off. So building a very, very beautifully connected experience for that entire 40, 45 minutes journey, not having any issue whatsoever is the basic and the bare minimum you need to do to drive a consumer product. So I think that kind of thinking uh, we understood very well, thankful to all the retail partners and the millions of customers who used our product for that 12 months to give us all that feedback, which we kind of took and eventually built into Ultrapos. Okay. Uh, very interesting. Uh, Avinav, uh, now uh, would like to know uh, uh, what was your first day of entrepreneurship like uh, would like to know what you did uh, when you quit your job the first thing you did mm, good question so first thing i did uh, actually not one probably i was doing too many things so first was uh, basically i had two founders by the time i uh, quit my job so one most critical piece to was to kind of really give them the right direction in terms of what product we are building and why are we building it it's very critical for them to really understand and get bought into the concept uh, equally, if not more. So I think that was the first critical piece. Second was, uh, I understood that all three of us, the three founders are from tech background. So uh, building a culture of sales, basically attracting customers is not something uh, that the other two co-founders could learn inherently out of the box. Obviously, they're very smart people. Given time, they would pick it up very soon. But at that point, it was purely my responsibility to attract a few leading retailers of the country to kind of sign up for the product that we were building. So I think these two were the larger uh, things. I didn't think about anything else. Uh, uh, I mean, funding, etc. I didn't want to think about it was too early. We wanted to kind of build a product, launch it, understand it's, is it even worth the effort and then kind of go to investors at that time. So these two things were the most critical things when I did on the first day. Uh, speaking of onboarding customers, I uh, would like to know how did you get hold of uh, your first uh, customer and uh, what was the experience like? Uh, I think it's quite tough, honestly. Uh, so for multiple reasons, one, India is a very competitive market. Second is India is a highly bureaucratic market as well. So unless you aren't a big enough entity, large uh, businesses don't want to work with you. And that's a chicken and egg problem, right? Unless you are big, large folks won't work. If large folks won't work, you are not big. So I think it's a chicken and egg problem. There are hacks to kind of uh, solve it. Uh, and I think the biggest uh, way to kind of penetrate into a large uh, legacy market is uh, you can say persistence. You have to be really, really persistent 
and you'll be surprised because initially the portion is tough but once you're persistently doing something as a massive you can say with a massive discipline and and rigor you will really see that it kind of pays you back over a period of time what i mean by that is i think to attract our first customer i would have at least you can say spoken to uh, probably 100 people across 35 different retailers in india to sign up the first customer so the conversion rate if you understand is like really really uh, bad and poor but it kind of keeps on building so uh you can say attracting customers is not about uh, really giving them telling them something and asking them to sign up for it's about uh, you can say building a brand people don't really buy products they uh, buy uh, people brand a lot more than they really invest in products so i think that is uh, something that people need to understand and building a brand is a slow exercise it does take time you'll have to go individually to people i mean that's how a uh, networks really start right so first you'll have to individually talk to a critical mass of people inspire them and then that critical mass of people will start talking to uh, their networks and peers that's how networks really build and that's how brands really build so the first initial phase is going to be very hard you have to really put your head down and be extraordinarily persistent but once your threshold is crossed it all comes back and then uh the word gets spread if you are doing something uh, worthwhile so i think persistent uh then using platforms like i mean ping people on linkedin twitter uh use references have a bunch of advisors and mentors who can introduce you to people all these regular tactics of lead generation and taking time personally to pitch and talk to all of them is something which is very interesting not just to uh kind of cast a good image because you are also in the process of learning it's a new virgin market for you so the more you talk to relevant smart people the better it is uh and the faster you will learn so i think these bunch of things is what we did the process went on for i would say a good 6 7 months before we really cracked our first customer uh and after that it just came i mean 6 months to one customer another 6 months to probably 10 more that's how uh the market scales okay uh avinav you you spoke about the chicken and egg problem and uh, uh, this particular problem is uh, you know there in all the aspects of entrepreneurship for example uh, if you uh, don't build a good team uh, more good people will not join if you don't have good people how will you make a good team similarly it goes with funding if you don't have funds how to build a good product if you don't have a good product how do you attract investment um having said that uh, abhinav uh, is there one single way that you would like to share with us on how do we solve this problem of chicken and egg uh, especially in context of entrepreneurship uh, i think very valid point you did highlight i think a lot of problems are going to be those chicken and egg problems a few you highlighted have probably a few hundred more uh, i think the golden rule there would just be to be extraordinarily persistent it's going to be hard the first phase is going to be hard and only uh compound over a period of time so uh, i think persistence is the key beyond that uh, there would be a unique way to solve all of those problems uh, which is why entrepreneurship really is about uh, finding smart ways to make your way uh, through so i think a couple of things like funding right if you don't have fund how do you build a business if you don't have a business how do you raise funds but i think stuff like like that is still getting easier to solve because uh, thankfully the fdi coming in india is massively increasing the bunch of investments happening also is is extraordinarily increasing i mean when i talk to vcs i understand they are below their targets of deploying funds so stuff like that is uh, becoming much better uh, but i think it's all about being persistent talking to every possible fund out there some of them would take some uh, bets for sure it it does work out uh, if you are really persistent on the other side i mean how to attract a team i think that's the most critical and the hardest problem that any entrepreneur has to face everything else is secondary if you don't build a rock solid team which is equally are uh, inspired about the problem and the product and the business you are going into there is no way you will ever succeed so i think for that 
uh, and a good team is really expensive to hire as well and you won't have that type of cash available uh, early so i think it's all about how uh, you can say flamboyant you are if you can really attract people give them good chunks of equity into the company if you can really uh, you can say motivate them uh, make a few future commitments that whatever losses they would bear on their personal you can say compensation for a period of say early or whatever six months one year till the company is really scaling and, and raising any funds you will compensate them over the period of their stay in the future years so these are the few ways to kind of hack through but like i said it's all about uh, finding the right hack if you find the right hack for the first small set of people like the first two customers or the first three core employees or the first uh, you can say angel or the vc investor who would invest that that's all after this you will never need to hack so the word spread like i said right and that's how all networks are built so for the first one you will have to be extraordinarily persistent uh, uh really put your personal uh, credibility on the line and convince them to uh, invest in you whether it's an employee or a co-founder or a or a uh, investor whoever they are all of them are really investing in you uh, more than the product first so i think putting your credibility on the line is the easiest way of doing it once you have all of this the word of mouth spread the business starts scaling you really have a product which is uh, showing the right results so then i think uh, it starts multiplying in a very different way uh would like to hear how it uh, it happened with you how did you find your uh, co-founders and your first set of uh, uh, teammates uh, to work with you short very very interesting i think for me uh, two key things there first was my uh, employer goldman and second was uh, my college and idk so my second co-founder who is our cto saket is from iit madras same batch of 2015 is me uh he was my uh, colleague at goldman i think the two of us really got to know each other quite well we traveled to uh, new york together as a part of our training program etc so i think we bonded very well and we understood that we have similar aspirations so getting him on board when we, i was starting purple was fairly straightforward thanks to uh, i mean us working together and kind of spending a lot of time together uh, so that was the first set of network that i tapped into the second set of network was my college in id suratkal where i met a bunch of really really smart people i'm amazed to say i mean how many a uh, smart undergrads really uh, come into nid suratkal so i think uh, leveraging that talking to all of them understanding their aspirations learning from them i kind of kept doing this over the period of four years uh, of of my life during uh, the college met with a very smart person again yogesh who is the third co-founder at perpule he was a two year uh, junior to me in college and we kind of became uh, close friends quite early in college itself did a few was starting gopul it was quite easy to uh, get yogesh on board as well in the early days uh, itself so that's how i kind of tapped in and i think these two are the most powerful networks i had that point now thankfully to gopul i have a lot more powerful network but i think such initial networks which actually have value everyone would have in some or the other format it can be your college it can be your employer it can be any friend circle i think you can really hatch on to them or uh, get the initial bunch of folks out like the like i said this is the hack you're doing to get the first set of folks after that the world scale so once the three of us really started building we got a real customer as well we got a vc as well now we were actually building stuff at at scale so then attracting the other set of employees who actually went on to become core employees for us was quite easy although i mean the college network was so powerful that i think a good chunk of our initial employees almost 30 40% of our initial employees were just from my college so i think stuff like that would definitely uh, uh happen over a period of time okay so uh, since you mentioned you have uh, multiple co-founders uh, in your team um i i would like to know how do you uh, come to a common agenda and how do you resolve uh, disputes uh, between co-founders 
uh, I think that's a good question again. And I think how we look at it is disputes and you can say disagreements are good. I mean, it, it's very good to disagree because uh, then you debate and when you really debate is when the best comes out. So we really appreciate and uh, I thankfully have founders who are really good at uh, disagreements and they can really prove you wrong more often than not. Uh, and, and the same culture we kind of really try to inspire and inculcate in our core team and eventually every single employee as well. So I think we number one celebrate disagreements. It's very critical to kind of objectively debate and think about things uh, is first. Second is suppose, uh, I mean, the easiest way to resolve a discussion is, is logic. I mean, the one who gives the best possible logical scenario is the one uh, whose approach is taken. If suppose uh, uh, there is a conflict, there are multiple logics and you don't know which conflict to really go with, then uh, the organizational structure really comes into the picture. I mean, number of bets. I mean, if your teams and peers can really give you better arguments to uh, do something in a different way or not do something that you're suggesting good enough, you should uh, more often than not agree. But if you really think that uh, you're confident about your decision, then you will have to really tell the team that look, guys, this is how it works, right? I mean, there's a all structure and all of us need to agree to it. And there's a beautiful value of org right around disagree and commit. This is something that we have kind of taken inspiration from uh, Amazon, right? It's one of the org principles of Amazon. So whether or not uh, what we are going ahead with uh, something is, is something that you uh, kind of told, it's, it's perfectly fine to disagree. But uh, once the decision has been taken, you have to commit with 100% uh, of, of your commitment. So I think such frameworks really help us uh, handle those conflicts. Okay. Abhinav, uh, what are some of the challenges uh, you faced uh, along the way while uh, building and uh, growing this venture? Uh, I think uh, probably, I mean, a lot. I mean, number of challenges in a journey of an entrepreneur is, is crazy. But I'm just thinking to highlight the largest ones which have actually costed us the most, right, is, is uh, probably the maturity, right? When I started Purple, I was probably 23 years old. So at 23, uh, not having the right work X to really build a business, understanding what all really goes into building a business, uh, not managing teams at scale. I mean, I was just managing like three people team, four people team at Goldman. So I think when you're very young, there is a certain bunch of things that you don't know, which a 35 year old by default experience would get. So I think that is the biggest thing, uh, which I kind of realized was, was missing, but thankfully I made a very good network of people and advisors who I'm, I'm very close to there at least like 12, 13, 15 people who I talk to every, uh, you can say two weeks, three weeks, or at least a month. So I think these folks are the ones who have gone through that entrepreneurial journey while they were young or while they were old is, is, is secondary. Uh, so a lot of feedback comes in from there, which you really need to uh, take however good or rosy or bad the feedback is, you should really take it uh, very, very constructively because those guys are really interested in advising you and helping you become better in your business, in making your business better. Uh, so I think having that pool of advisors, this is very, very critical for young entrepreneurs because uh, the journey is, is limited, right? Startups compress 20 years worth of work in five years. So if you're really going to do that, you can't afford to do game changing mistakes. I mean, it's perfectly fine to do wrong product strategy, do, a, I mean, you will do a bunch of mistakes and it's perfectly fine because the one or two right decisions would pay for the hundreds of mistakes, but you can't do something which uh, smart people would know because that will set you back by a few months. So having that pool of network, specifically for young entrepreneurs who can tell you uh, the basic bunch of things, right? How teams are led, what is the importance of org structuring? How, how do you kind of get HR to become a critical part of the organization? What do finance folks do? What, what is the importance of legal? These are all solved problems. Just because you are young, you are never exposed to it is why you have never really uh, learned it. So talking to people 
uh, who have been through those journeys and really inculcating those things from them would really increase your momentum and pace because these are all new workflows, right? What is the importance of legal in an org? What is the importance of HR in an org? Is not rocket science. If someone who has gone through that knows that. But unless you have gone through that and learned that, you would do mistakes in getting it right. So the secondary bunch of things, I generally call it the tertiary pillars of the org. Uh, for young uh, founders and entrepreneurs, it's impossible to uh, know it and that's perfectly fine. What you are really great, is, is great at is the product and the business that you're building. So focus there. All these tertiary pillars either get experienced folks to start driving it uh, very early in the org. If you can't do that for whatever reasons, have a pool of networks who can advise you in terms of how to build that. I think that was the biggest uh, challenge and learning for me in life. Now, I mean, I do a lot of angel investments. I consult a lot of entrepreneurs. Most of them are fairly young. So now I take time to tell them about all these things. Uh, and I think programs like these, the one that you're running here is again, very critical and quite, you can say motivating to understand what are the real inherent challenges that would come for sure. And just knowing them well in advance would really uh, give you the right, uh, you can say mechanism to solve those challenges and problems. Okay. Abhinav uh, would also like to talk about uh, what has been your learning on uh, retail industry in general. So uh, when I ask this question, I, I also would like to point out the fact that uh, retail is, uh, is changing rapidly, especially in Indian context. Uh, online retailers are uh, uh, gaining momentum and offline a lot of offline retailers just uh, 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 become bankrupt uh, during this COVID uh, crisis. So uh, would like to hear uh, your point of view on how retailers can reinvent uh, themselves and uh, uh, look for the bright side in the new future. Sure, I think that's a very interesting question. And honestly, I would say the more I uh, spend time in the retail, the more I learn about it, the more I fall in love with it because it's such a critical pillar of the GDP. It's such a critical pillar of the country, right? Like everyone, everyone is exposed to retail around the world. Nobody is not exposed to retail. Uh, I think what, what the key learnings are for me and which I keep sharing with my uh, retail folks, I mean the CXO that I generally uh, work with of the leading retailers in India. Uh, I kind of keep learning from them and keep sharing with them is that first you have to embrace the change. Retail is like a fairly old market and industry, but I'm very surprised to see the pace at which they are uh, now embracing technology. So I think first is getting out of the denial, understanding that look, market is moving way faster than you are. It's very critical to latch on to it and, and, and really grow with it and embrace the change, adopt technology as much as possible, automate your businesses and processes, reduce the dependence on people. So retail traditionally is a very people-led ops heavy business with new technologies coming in, new stuff coming in. It's very critical to kind of implement that in your business. Obviously, India is a market which is very cash, uh, you can say crunched as well. So it's critical to build the right relationships, uh, raise money either from the public markets or from private investors or from banks because you would need that type of capital to invest into the technology, which would eventually give a return on optimization and efficiency over a period of five, 10 years. So understanding that today, making those investments today is very critical, uh, uh, one for retailer. Second, the most interesting line I've, I've really read in the book, which is game changing again, uh, is that, I mean, it's, it's a book called The Four, which I was just reading a few months back. Uh, the line really goes like this. It says, the richest person of 19th century uh, got minimum wage employees to sell you stuff. The richest man of 20th century got zero wage robots to sell you stuff. So he's really talking about Sam Walton, the founder of Walmart and Jeff Bezos, the uh, founder of Amazon, right? So 
largely what they uh, really mean by this is that retail is the most exciting market it's all about optimizing that further so if you can really look into new innovative ways to optimize your businesses reduce your costs or massively scale your uh, revenue i think both of them are very critical maintaining a tandem and having a separate focus on new initiatives which could do this is uh, as critical as running your entire uh, regular business so i think these are the key uh, things that i have learned so far okay uh we are almost up with the time and uh, here is my final question to you uh tell us how our audience can start their journey as entrepreneurs what would be your advice to them sure uh actually not as hard as you think from the outside it is definitely a different world i mean very different from doing a job very different from doing any regular uh, you can say thing for your livelihood uh, the responsibility is massive not just for yourself for your own living but for the hundreds and thousands and lakhs of people who would eventually become a part of your business so i think it's very critical to understand and appreciate these stakeholders but not getting intimidated by that i think when you really think of a business and the responsibility any normal person would get intimidated by the uh, responsibilities and the challenges so i think taking a leap of faith because it does work out right there are so many businesses in the country so uh, really understanding that and appreciating that uh, and getting the confidence from that that look if a million other people can do it so can you it's not impossible it's all about taking the leap of faith uh and and really just going and following your passion if there is particularly about any field or a business is first second would be uh, it's actually becoming uh, easier over a period of time because the number of people who are taking time to help new entrepreneurs is massively increasing like the program like this right eli is is one example there are hundreds and thousands of other programs where people are really trying their best to help educate early business owners founders cxos to really understand uh, and and do things in a in a right way so i think the sharing of the ecosystem is is massively increasing the ecosystem is maturing beautifully so i really believe over a period of next say 3 5 years it would become a lot more vibrant than it, than what it is today the number of businesses would become 10x number of advisors would become 100x so i think uh, uh, it would be a lot more easier to tap into the right set of people get help and 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 make sure that you don't get stressed uh, too much third is to really understand that look there is dearth of capital the number of capital uh, the vcs coming in into india private equity firms coming in coming into india is actually increasing at an unprecedented pace if you really just look at the fdi uh, india is raising year on year it is increasing at a massive pace i mean no uh, asset is is really growing at that pace so what that means is india is a you can say very uh, you can say focused destination for the world because it is the largest untapped market left in the world we are blessed to be in india and uh, really appreciate that so uh, i think the next 8 10 years is very critical because there is a uh, you can say research which basically says that once the gdp per capita crosses 4000 us dollars the economy sees exponential growth because at 4000 dollars you uh, per capita income you really have more than enough to really pay for your living and that's when you start spending in auxiliary and tertiary uh, products and services which is what drives exponential growth uh for the economy the same happened for the us the same happened for china japan germany uh france etc uh the same people are projecting even at the uh, worst possible growth rate we would cross the 4000 us dollar mark in next 10 years hopefully if we really are able to grow at 78% gdp it would happen in the next 7 years but i think which is why now is the very critical time if you really build businesses who sustain for the next 7 8 10 years they would really drive a lot more value once india's gdp per capita crosses 4000 so understanding that today is very critical because once people cross that all the costs will go massively more than what they are today so building a business today 
enduring it for the next eight years would really give you very very good returns to you, your investors, your shareholders, the country in general, right? Like GDP is all about taking a value sum of money and rotating it as many times as possible. So I think uh, building a business and understanding those nuances of the market, you are really doing a service not just to yourself, your shareholders, but to the country because it's the uh, best way to revive the GDP and the economy and massively contribute uh, to make India uh, a much better place. Uh, very interesting perspective. Uh, uh, perhaps I'm I'm hearing this for the first time. Uh, Four thousand uh, dollars. I definitely research more on this. Uh, uh, Abhinab, we have come to the end of the session. Anything you wanted to share and couldn't share because of my questions, uh, you can uh, share now. No, I, I think you had a very good uh, series of questions. It pretty much covers uh, the most critical aspect that I'm sure uh, the viewers would love to. Uh, know and, and, and kind of take as, as a note. So I think a beautiful uh, uh, series of questions. And second, I would really want to thank you for taking time. I, I'm loving the program. Thanks a lot for having me here and appreciate your persistence for getting so many entrepreneurs to uh, kind of do this with you. I think you are also doing a great service to the country and the bunch of entrepreneurs at scale. So all the best. Keep doing it. Uh, uh, and really happy to be a part of this. Thank you. Thank you. That really validates my work. And I would like, uh, I'd say it was a great pleasure to host you here at ELI. Uh, and our audience would have got uh, lifetime lessons from this video. Uh, uh, Abhinav, thanks for your time and best wishes for uh, Parpur. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Priya. Uh, uh, wish the same for you. And thanks everyone for uh, viewing the video. Uh, viewers, you can follow and connect with Abhinav on LinkedIn by searching for Abhinav Patak. Also do visit their website by typing perfuel.com. Uh, that is it for today's episode. Uh, we'll be back with another exciting entrepreneur. Stay tuned to ELI.